the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. Peter even denies knowing Jesus, and God still used him to preach the first evangelical message, and thousands of people got saved in the book of Acts. So it's, it, you can't make the argument that, you know, well, Jephthah was a terrible guy, and so therefore it can't be. I mean, there are terrible people that God has used. You know, our heart, every human heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And, and yet God, for a purpose and for a season, will use fallen people for his purposes. That's, that's just the way it works. God works in ways that defy our reason and understanding. How could he use someone as wicked as Jephthah? Well, as bad as this guy appears in today's passage, Pastor Gary will remind us that all of us are born into wickedness. Our sins may not seem as vile, but they're unacceptable before a perfect, just God. Any sin at all is cause for eternal separation from him, yet he chooses to use each one of us to accomplish his purpose and we're in no place to tell him how he should or shouldn't work. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 11, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Here's the list of the 12, the 12 judges that are mentioned in the book of Judges, and we have landed on chapter 11 uh, uh, concerning the life of Jephthah. Now, by the way, when you look into some Bible commentaries, um, the numbers are not going to be identical. Some would say that Jephthah is uh, the ninth judge. That's because when Deborah was a judge, Barak was considered by some Bible scholars to be a co-leader, a co-judge with her. Uh, but conservatively speaking, he was really a general. She was really the judge. So uh, some Bible commentaries will say, you know, after Deborah, that my numbers don't match. And others will say that they do match. So don't be confused by that. So he's number eight on my list. He might be number nine on other lists. But this is Jephthah. And Jephthah was called by God to lead the people of Israel during a time when the Ammonites were the formidable army coming against the Israelites. And again, that cycle of sin where when the Israelites started to abandon God and worship idols, then God sent these foreign invading armies to, if you will, spank them and to get their attention so that they would cry out to God again. And so the Ammonites are the spanking instrument by which God is trying to get their attention again. And he, he's raising up Jephthah here. Now, in all of chapter 11, which described his military conquest with obviously the, the aid of the Lord, 
Um, he's not all that known for his great military prowess. What he's more known for is this vow that he made in an attempt to get God's favor to defeat the Ammonites. That vow, again, is found in chapter 11. Look at verses 30 and 31, because I, I left off here last week, and I really want to spend some time, even before we read chapter 12, talking about the importance of our words. There's much to learn from, from Jephthah. And so look at chapter 11 again, verse 30 and 31. It says, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And so he makes this vow to the Lord. Uh, If you give me victory in defeating the Ammonites, then whatever walks out of the door of my house when I get home, I'm going to offer to you. And it happens that when he gets home, what walks out of the front door of his house is none other than his daughter. And she is his only child. And now Jephthah feels bound by his word that he had made a promise to God. And his daughter walks out of the front door of his house. And he's uh, understandably distraught. Now, I mentioned last week that there's a debate as to whether or not did he actually sacrifice his daughter or did he offer her in dedication to the Lord and she lived out the rest of her life in the tabernacle serving the Lord. And honestly, we don't know. And I, I presented, you know, both arguments. The one argument is that where he said in his vow at the end of verse 31, whatever walks out of my house shall surely be the Lord's and... That word is important, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And it is true that in the Hebrew, that particular conjunction can be translated and, or, or. And so some look at this and say, no, he didn't really say that he would offer as a sacrifice whatever walked through. He gave an option. He said, I will either dedicate it to the Lord or, if you translate and as or, or I will sacrifice it. So if it's a person, I'm going to dedicate it. If it's an animal, because sometimes their livestock would just stroll in and out of the homes. I mean, it's like, you know, think about if you've ever been to the Middle East parts of the world and the Bedouin community, they still live in tents and animals come in and out. So, you know, perhaps he's thinking that if an animal comes out, I'll sacrifice it. If a person comes out, I'll dedicate the person. So that's that argument. And it's the idea similar to the way that Hannah, who gave birth to Samuel, dedicated dedicated Samuel because she made a promise to the Lord. She made a vow to God that she would dedicate her, her child to the Lord. And so when he was weaned, she took Samuel to the tabernacle and Eli, the priest raised him and Samuel served in the tabernacle of the Lord. And then later became a prophet and a judge himself. We'll read about him later. And, and so some say that what happened here with Jephthah and his daughter is very similar to what Hannah did with Samuel, that he didn't sacrifice her, that he just dedicated her. She had to live out the rest of her life in the tabernacle. Why was that grievous then? Because the language at the end of chapter 11 shows that he is, the dad, Jephthah, is very grieved about this. And some scholars say, well, that's because he, you know, he, she is going to be resigned to live out the rest of her life as a young, it says she's a young virgin, so she's not married, so she will never get married. She'll never have children. Jephthah will never have grandchildren. He has to say goodbye to his only daughter and that that's what is so grievous here. 
But as I mentioned last week, that that is a more Western interpretation. We find it completely appalling, and rightfully so, that anybody would ever sacrifice their child, and it's, it can't be. So it conflicts with our sense of reasonability that it can't be that this dad, that Jephthah, would have actually sacrificed his daughter. But as I mentioned to you last week, that almost all of the ancient Jewish literature and ancient rabbi uh, commentary do believe that based on the language and the context that he actually did follow through and sacrifice his daughter. Now look, that does not mean that God is complicit in this. It just means that because God knows all things, he knows that if in fact that is what happened, that Jephthah would do such a thing. And that's why in the ancient uh, rabbinical views, uh, even in the Jewish Midrash, which is a commentary, an ancient commentary on the Jewish Old Testament scriptures. Now, the Midrash is not scripture, but it's a commentary. And the rabbis wrote in the Midrash uh, about Jephthah that he was foolish, he was ignorant, and among the worst of the judges. And they wrote in their commentary that God's punishment for Jephthah was to cause his flesh to decay and his limbs to fall off. That's how strongly they believed that he carried out his vow. It was a rash vow. He regretted it. And it was a horrible thing for us to even think. Uh, but again, the ancient Jewish rabbis and the ancient literature uh, believes that the language supports the fact that he ended up following through with that. The truth is, we don't know. Now, I shared my bent last week. In my research, you know, my bent is towards the context and towards the culture that I tend to, to go with the ancient uh, rabbis on this, just, just because we don't know, but it, it sure seems at the end of chapter 11, verse 40, when it talks about how they forever lamented her every single year, that that is a stronger word. And by the way, that particular Hebrew word is used only twice in all the Bible, both times in the book of Judges, once right there in chapter 11, verse 40, that you, you don't just simply lament the fact that somebody's gone to move to the tabernacle. Okay, it's a strong word, that means to grieve and to mourn. So um, it became an annual festival that they would memorialize her and lament her. So again, it's, it's hard to make the argument. But I, but I am also sympathetic to the fact that, as I said, our Western mindset, we cringe at the thought this could have actually happened. This doesn't make rational sense. And how could God use a man that God knew in advance would do such a thing if, in fact, he did this? My answer to that is because God has used a lot of men and women over the millennium who have done terrible and wicked things. That's because men and women are terrible and wicked people. And that we end up doing terrible and wicked things, but in God's hands, we can still be instruments for his purposes. You know, you look at Gideon as a judge. Gideon had many wives, it says, and, uh, and, and a concubine, and that certainly is not God's will, but God used him. David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, was complicit in the murder of her husband to cover up his sin, and God still used him. And Peter even denies knowing Jesus, and God still used him to preach the first evangelical message, and thousands of people got saved in the book of Acts. So it's, it, you can't make the argument that, you know, well, Jephthah was a terrible guy, and so therefore it can't be... I mean, there are terrible people that God has used. You know, our heart, every human heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And, and yet God, for a purpose and for a season, will use fallen people for his purposes. That's, that's just the way it works. 
So I'm, I'm not condoning this. God's, if, if, in fact, he ended up sacrificing her, God certainly is not condoning it. It is, it is an offense to God. It is a horrible thing. But I'm just saying that the ancient literature, that's how they dissect this passage. That, in fact, he, he may have sacrificed his daughter. And, and as I said last week, you know, the, the amazing thing is that she, the daughter, Whatever it was that Jephthah ended up doing, whether he dedicated her to the temple or whether he did end up sacrificing her, um, which would not have been an acceptable sacrifice to God. I'm just saying, he, he, whatever, whichever one he did, she says to him, Father, you must carry out your vow that you made to the Lord. And, and I yield myself to that. And so, you know, she has incredible courage in this story. He is the one who made a very rash vow. Now, whether or not you you know, have an opinion one way or another as to did he just dedicate her or did he sacrifice her. That aside, we need to all agree that what he said in the heat of the moment was rash. And for that reason, there are some important things to learn. So even before I get into chapter 12, I just wanted to spend some time talking about for a moment what we can learn from Jephthah's vow here because it, it was something rash and it is something that we need to be aware of and learn from. Again, regardless of what he ended up doing, let's just look at what he said and learn from this kind of a thing because we all can get in trouble with our mouth. Can anybody relate? Can I see some sinners in the house of God today? All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you should have. At some point, we say things we regret, and some of you have the gift, (laughs) because your personality is more just bent towards talking first and thinking later, and and you know that that gets that personality into trouble more than a person who thinks first and then speaks, but regardless of whatever your personality might be, there have been times in all of our lives we've said things that we wish we could get back. And, uh, and so we need to be aware of, of learning some things here. So three quick points, and, and then we'll get into chapter 12. The first is, just plainly, don't make rash vows or hasty promises. Matthew 12, 37. Mark that verse down if you're taking notes. Matthew 12, 37. Jesus said, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So words matter to God. In, in Proverbs 20, verse 25. It says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. That's Proverbs 20, 25. Here's a string of verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes 5, listen to verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth, therefore let your words be few. I think the Message Bible says, shut up now. (laughs) God's in heaven, and we just need to let our words be few. It'll get us into less trouble if we use less words. In the same chapter, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 5, it is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 6, do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Now, Solomon was the one who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he would write later after Jephthah. So Jephthah didn't have the advantage of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. But we do. We do. 
Learn not to make promises that you're not sure that you can keep, especially promises that are predicated on things that are out of your control. Simple example. You're in L.A., you're trying to get a flight back home to D.C., you have a connection in Denver. Do not say to your wife or your family, you know, my, my plane lands at uh, 6.05 p.m., and so uh, I'll be home at 6.15 as soon as I get out of the airport. Do not say that. Why? Because there's some things that are out of your control. You may not get taking off on time out of LAX. You may get into Denver and there's a layover. I think it snows there 10 months out of 12. And you know, so what are you going to do at that point? You've just promised. You've just made a commitment. I'll be there at a certain time. Like we need to learn to be vague. It's okay to be vague once in a while. It's okay to just say, you know what? My flight leaves at X and X amount of time. I have a layover this long in Denver. Provided the weather's good, there are no glitches. I hope to be home by this time, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's okay to actually be vague. Listen to me on this. It is better to be vague than to say something you can't fulfill and be out, be made out to be a liar. So it's okay. You know, now people don't necessarily like it. When you say things like they want you to commit and you say, well, let me, let me pray about that. I'll get back to you. Instead of just saying, okay, I'll go. I'll do that. Like, don't, like, get out of the habit of just saying things immediately. Just say, well, let me think on that. Or how about this? I'll do the best I can. Right? Instead of yes or no, just I'll do the best I can. There are some ways that we can say things without committing us because there are some situations that are out of our control and we can't always do what we commit that we're going to do. So learn to be a little vague because at least, at least you're not going to be made out to be a liar if you can't fulfill your promises. You know, the phrases when your kids ask you, can we, can we, can we? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. Learn to be the doctor of, we'll see. We'll see. Just no commitment right now, we'll see. Or how about this, maybe later. Maybe later. Let me think about that. Let me pray about that. I mean, you know, there's a multitude of ways that we can say things without committing. That's what gets us into trouble. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Number two, don't make conditional deals with God. Okay? Don't make conditional deals with God. If you look at verse 30 again, there in chapter 11, notice, he says to God, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, then I will offer a sacrifice to you. If you, God, then I. People make these kind of negotiations with God all the time. And let me just say to you, rarely do they work. Rarely do they work? Oh, Lord, Lord, if you just, if you just get me this job, if you, if you just get me this job, then I promise I'll stop drinking. You know, people make those kind of things. Then you get the job and then you meet your friends at Spanky's to celebrate. You know what I'm saying to you? It's like, like, wait, five minutes ago, you just made that deal with God. Yeah, I know. But now here's to you, God. Yeah. What just happened there? If you, God, get me out of this mess. Ever prayed one of those? Like you're in a jam, you're in a mess, there's a big problem. You're like, if, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, then I, then I'll I'll be a missionary. 
I'll, I'll be a missionary to Mexico. That's it. And you, you know, and then God gets you out of the, the mess. And you're like, muchas gracias, hermano. Muchas gracias. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Muchas gracias. And then that's the last Spanish you ever speak again in your life. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? Why do we do this kind of thing? If you, then I. How about instead of if you, then I, how about because you are, then I will. Because you are my Lord, because you are worthy of my praise, because you are worthy of a life well lived, because you are my Savior, because you are Jesus and Lord, I will live my life to glorify you and please you. Not any of this if you will do this, because here's the deal. It is no deal for God. Like, he doesn't get anything out of that, right? It's like, if you, then I, as if God's up there going, well, I, I, I can't wait because I've been really needing your help, you know, and I... <laughs> Well, that's one, because if you, then you will, great, you know, because I don't know who I was going to send to Mexico if you hadn't made that promise to me. It's like, no, God kind of doesn't need our help for anything. So there's nothing for him in that deal. If we're like, if you, God, then I will. There's zero for him in that deal. He's already self-sufficient and complete in himself. He's perfect in all his ways. So he needs nothing from us. Let me tell you why he may give you that job that you try to negotiate. It's based on his love for you. It's not based on what you can do for him. If he does this, then you will. He is motivated by his love for you. Not because you make a deal with him and you negotiate something with him. He gets nothing out of it. He's motivated by his love for you. Now, again, we need to always balance it, you know, properly, theologically. God doesn't always give us what we want. No parent does. If you just give your kid whatever they want, they'd wake up and have Pop-Tarts every single day. So there are days you're going to be like, no more Pop-Tarts. You've had enough Pop-Tarts. Save them for dad, you know. And, uh, but like no loving parent gives their kids everything they ever want. So there are times that for our good, God says no. It's hard. But sometimes when God says no or God says not now, that's for your best. And we can't see it at the time any more than our kids can see it when they're crying for Pop-Tarts. But nevertheless, that still is God's best for us. And we need to always defer to him, Lord. And it's okay to say, Lord, this is what I would like. These are, you know, present our needs before the Lord with prayer and supplication. It's okay to say, Lord, this is what I'd like. This is what I would want. This is what I would need. But then at the end of the day, it's like, but Lord, whatever is your best for me. And I will accept whatever is your best for me, even if it's not what I've asked. Because he's God. And he's worthy of our praise and he's worthy of our obedience if he, doesn't, if he doesn't do another thing for us. So none of this negotiation. Like, if that's in your prayer life, get rid of that. Like, like just stop, stop trying to make deals with God. If you, God, then I will. No, because he is. Now I will live my life as obediently as I can to glorify him. So no negotiations. This is what, this is what Japheth did here. It's just like, you know, if you will, then, then I will. Unless you promise something unbiblical, illegal, or unethical, do what you say. Let me tell you, there actually was a way out for Japheth. Um, If, in fact, he ended up sacrificing his daughter, there is actually provision in the Levitical law for him to redeem a rash vow by paying the priest 10 shekels. 
So it's clear in the Bible in Deuteronomy 12.31 that human sacrifice was a pagan practice and completely unacceptable to God. So, so let's just go for a moment and think that he possibly sacrificed her, just, just for the moment, for the purpose of like working out an understanding of what trouble he got himself into. Even if that is what he ended up doing, which is the most horrific, obviously, of the two choices. Do I dedicate her to the tabernacle or do I sacrifice her? One thing we have to be aware of is if you ever say something that is contrary to Scripture, you're not bound by that. Our days are sometimes filled with nonstop movement, aren't they? The pastors, staff, and community here at Cornerstone Connection don't want you to miss out on nuggets of wisdom from God's Word. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can connect with us from anywhere. Interested in hearing more? Go to cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary Hamrick has more audio messages for you to tune into. Scroll down until you see the space that says Teaching Library. Once there, we've made it as simple as possible to search by topic, speaker, or book. We pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to stop by. We have Sunday services at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. Is the middle of your week more free? Come join us on Wednesday evenings then at 7. Were you blessed by what you heard today? Would you consider donating some of your resources? If so, it's pretty simple. You can use our mobile app or click on the Give Now tab found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to our next time together right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.